We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And at the end of yesterday's pod, we talked about, hey, let's maybe do a lineup pod tomorrow. We're going to wait a few games to do that, let the numbers kind of settle. Even We're still at that point where one game can shift things significantly, and we don't want to draw too many you know, conclusions. But... The upcoming 10 games that the Lakers have, I think, are really going to determine a lot about the season. It's one of the easier parts of the schedule. So set the stage for us, Mike. What are we looking at over these next 10? Because I think it's really going to determine who we are this year. Yeah, I think it probably is the easiest stretch that the Lakers have all season on paper. And of course, these things evolve some. One of the things that we thought about the first 10 games before the season actually started was that Utah was going to be an easier part of the schedule Mm -hmm. until Utah went ahead and won the most Western Conference games to this point of any team and particularly looked lethal against the Lakers with the way that they play offense. So with that said, you know, part of the key for this little stretch here is that they play San Antonio three times in out of four games. And and this will come up starting on the 20th and then again, right after Thanksgiving, the 25th and the 26th. But the other four teams like, like, so take the Clipper game tonight aside and then Sacramento, Brooklyn, Detroit, um, all under 500 to start the season. Then they're at Phoenix, and then Indiana comes in, and then finally Portland, who the Lakers you know probably should have beaten had they been able to hit more than six threes in that home game earlier in the season. Of course, the Blazers are playing a little bit better now that they have Lillard back. But in the context of what Darvin Ham was saying after the Utah game, and I thought you guys did a great job of sort of breaking down the overall vibe of what's been going on right now, this is, in a way, like I think that Darvin can almost frame it in a certain way, like, all right, that rough start. We didn't have guys available. You know, no shooter, no Bryant. These guys, they should come back in this stretch. We learned that Westbrook needs to be coming off the bench. You know, we've learned that certain lineups are not really working. The team is a little bit too small. But, you know, maybe that can be accounted for, especially once Bryant returns. So they, I feel like they've got this stretch where they can sort of say, hey, we're not – quite that team that started the season and this is wishful thinking a little bit but i'm saying this is the approach 
that they have to have here mm-hmm. where wipe that slate clean Darius and you know let's let's see what we can establish before you get into a, a pretty brutal December uh, and and set aside the strength of the schedule thing they just have to stack some wins just period right here they have to stack some wins and play with a certain amount of I think desperation uh, in these home games that are coming up as they as they sort of embark upon the rest of what the season is going to be. I think those are all points that were well made. When you guys sent me a note saying like, hey, I think like we should talk about the next 10 games because Lakers just played 10 games. Well, in those 10 games, they were two and eight. So I'm just going to pose a simple question to you guys. What is over the next stretch of 10 games? Is there a target record that you're seeking out in those 10 games? Because I agree with everything that Mike said in terms of like playing style and desperation and focus and like Pete, we had talked about morale and those sort of things in yesterday's pod, right? And so, but it's a win and loss leak, right? And you're judged by your record. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to see all of that effort stuff play out and all of the desperation and all of that stuff. But it's just like, at the end of the game, they got to be up on the scoreboard. Right. Yeah. And so where are you guys at in terms of how important is that? Because there is that connection, right? That symbiotic relationship between effort and results. And they're on they're teetering a little bit, I would say, they or are. at least their record is as such where you could understand if they were starting to teeter a little bit. Very much so. And through those first 10. Right. And looking at the uh, at the schedule putting Utah even aside, we we kind of knew this first part was going to be tough. And so considering where we are, I had a little bit of bandwidth for moral victories. I know we hate that, but we're figuring out who our lineups are, who our guys are amongst a bunch of very similarly talented players. And just the odds of like nailing it the first time when you have those type of circumstances are low. And then when you combine that with playing good teams, you know, I was looking at it going, yeah, we're probably going to take our lumps for a bit. But this stretch, Mike, this is a very objective. Did we win the game or not stretch for me? I think we need uh, at least six of those uh, six of the next 10 to feel decent about ourselves going into the next stretch and into that December stretch. And even beyond how we feel about ourselves, just like you said, from a practical, you need to stack wins uh, sense. We need that. So that's where I'm at. I think we need at least six. How about you, Mike? Yeah. Looking at the schedule and looking at the specific 10 games, six would be the mark that you need to get to eight and 12, which is still not great, especially going into a difficult December stretch. But the Lakers are all they're almost in a situation already where you're having to target like later in the season what that play in range is going to look like. That's just mm-hmm. the reality when you start the season this poorly in a conference that has not that many teams playing great, but enough teams playing well that the numbers just start to bear out a certain way. And then also factoring in the the number of teams that probably have a different goal in mind as the season goes on. Utah yeah. would be the one exception out of that group where they may just continue to play well enough that they say, well, we're already too far out of the Wenbanyama mix and let's just go for it. And, you know, maybe even yeah. like they've got so many first round picks coming up in the future anyway, you know, that they may just say we in the, the way that I, I was just there. Right. The way that the city is responding to that kind of blue collar effort. It's yep. a fun mix to be in right now for them. So you got to ride that I, wave. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't think you can necessarily count them, but there are still there are teams though that remain to the threshold where getting to the ten isn't going to take some miraculous record. You know, is is that's kind of what I'm getting at by getting to an eight and twelve as opposed to a seven and thirteen. And here's the other point, Darius, to make I think about what the schedule is. So in these first ten games, 
other than maybe what Portland was when the Lakers saw them. And they've, they've shown themselves to be a little bit better, at least than some of the expectation with some of their bigger, younger uh, three and D type wing players complementing the backcourt that scores there. There wasn't one of those games where it's like, yeah, this team just isn't good. And basically by playing hard and showing up it, you, you can, you will beat that team. The way that the Lakers played in the first three games defensively, you know, like that that type of way, if they play that way against your Sacramento's and Detroit's and San Antonio's, right, those are games that you could lose one of them or a couple of them. But those are games that if you bring the requisite level of of necessary energy that the Lakers have enough talent to win those games. And mm-hmm. I just I don't think that was always the case in the first 10. And therefore, Darius, you get to that number where I think that they the Lakers have to shoot for more than six wins. Like I think seven, you know, is a is a fair Mm -hmm. way to put it, it, assuming health from LeBron and AD and all that and getting Schroeder back and getting Bryant back. But if you don't get to six and that's the number that sounds like Pete and I both arrived at, then I think you're in the trouble continues and we're having a different kind of conversation after those next 10. But since you threw out this idea, what was your number and why does it matter? Six is fair. I'd love for this team to, after 20 games, to be 500, honestly. Like internally, that would be my goal. And it'd be the idea that if I wasn't outright saying that to the team, it'd really be, or maybe you just say it to the team, like, hey, after 20 games, like this is our target because like you don't reach goals unless you set them. So that's sort of where I'm at. The prospects of the December schedule, like you sort of hinted at before, Mike, those are those are difficult games. And we talked about this in our lead up to the season where we did our schedule pod, right? Which is which is one of our favorite pods of the preseason because just it lays out sort of where you're at and where you think the team can go. Like I would argue that before the season started, we thought this was going to be a difficult stretch, but we also thought there were going to be more winnable games in there than the two that the Lakers have gotten. And so, Mike, I think you made a spot on point about the West not necessarily being as strong, but they there is enough parity in the West where these teams are cannibalizing each other and the Lakers are at the bottom of that food chain right now being two and eight, right? And so they're the team that's going to need to like steal a couple of extra meals from that cannibalization in order to sort of like get back into to the mix where on a night to night basis, it's not so much like, where are we? Where are we? Where are we? Because that's the sort of thing that starts to weigh on you as well. And that's one of my sort of side burner concerns around the team. It's it's not it's it's a cousin, Pete, of that morale discussion that we had yesterday, because morale has a way of like sapping your in-game energy, right? Like, oh, they went on a run. And Darwin sort of spoke to this before about their spirit leaving the the arena a little bit in in some of these third quarters. But the last place you want to be is 18 games in, 20 games in and standings watching or feeling like, hey, like we're already like it's like if you're in a race and the yes. pack is sort of getting every every like two or three minutes, the pack is getting further and further ahead. And you're just like, oh, wait, they're really small now way up there. And like your <laughs> yeah. pace car is gone. And then at that point, you're just out there by yourself a little bit. What if you roll your ankle, Darius? <laughs> oh, man, if you roll your ankle, then you're going to have people asking you on the street if you're OK, which is what happened to me this morning. I was like, these dudes were and it took everything I had to be like, I'm good. 
<laughs> like I'm good. I'm okay. I'm okay. Darius is saying there. He was uh, across the street from a construction site and uh, let out a yelp. And uh, uh, these workers <laughs> probably thought, "What animal just died right now?" Right? Because I was like, "Oh!" And honestly, I'm lucky. I'm lucky that there was a car there and I could get my hands on the car, so I didn't like stumble and fall onto the ground. Because that's literally what would would have happened. I I was running this morning turned my ankle and then I almost went tumbling down. But but luckily there was a car close enough where I just got my hands on it. Luckily there were no alarms too, because that would have been even more embarrassing. People would have been like, oh, this guy set off an alarm. He's limping around. He's he's whelping like like he's getting beaten. It, it, bad it sounds like the Lakers. <laughs> a lot of oh, Laker man. analogies in that. Oh man. <laughs> Hopefully not. For too much longer, at least. That, that's part of the the thing that stands out to me is the psychological part about it of the standings watching of the like grinding at this point of the season because it's going to have to be led by our stars, right? And so that said, there are points of the season. This is something that I really remember about Kobe, whether it was in a game or in a season where he knew when to like put the his foot on the gas, either to like step on the necks of an opponent like you know you're up four and there's 45 seconds left in the game and then Kobe would just hit a dagger to put him up six where it wasn't like that was the shot that won the game but it is the shot that that clinched it but there were also points that's not counted in clutch time Pete right Right. like there are so many possessions that are actually clutch that don't show up in that data because you the shot that you hit kept you out of that scenario in the first place. And I, and I think that's what you're talking about there a little bit. That's right. And then the flip side of that is like the run that he went on in 2013. And we know how that ended. Right. And we don't want that it to end that way for anyone. But there was a point where it was like, hey, we need one of our superstars to just have a stretch. It doesn't have to be something that's for you know the whole season, something that carries us all the way into April. But that's where I, I'm kind of at Mike is that during this stretch, I think this is an opportunity for LeBron to get on track. I thought that we saw some great things from AD on offense in Utah that are at least like, Hey, let's take that approach in future games too. And, but it feels like this is a team where even if it's not the whole season, we need those guys to turn it up a little bit to get these wins. Because the last thing you want is to drop those games against a San Antonio or Sacramento. You got to stack as many of those as you can. My nominee for what you're asking for would be LeBron James. And we spent mm. plenty of time talking about the start of his season. The way that Darvin Ham described it in Utah was essentially one that he's been battling, not only the foot soreness, but also flu-like symptoms that he seemed to have first and have for about a week. Mm-hmm. And I think just a general trying to come to terms. This is my reading, uh, not coming from LeBron or Darvin or anybody else, but co- trying to come to terms with, what the chances are for his team in his 20th season and how he's going to be able to get through it physically and what he can optimize and which players he can trust. And I think there's just a lot going on for LeBron, I think, in trying to manage uh, this whole thing. And all of that said, if he just, if he just ticks things up a little bit, maybe the jump shot starts falling a little bit. Maybe he's, he's over now this virus and therefore able to start ramping up his general activity, because as we know, LeBron is not somebody that can play a bunch of five on five in the offseason at this point with his legs. And so as he starts to get his legs under him a little bit more, that is, of course, to me, the key build more so than AD, because LeBron is the player from whom everybody else gets their energy and gets mm-hmm. their their juice on the court. 
Yeah. And we've seen a little bit of that come with Westbrook and the bench unit. We've seen some guys thrive off of that. And I think that's been part of what has carried those units aside from Westbrook's unsustainable shooting and just banging threes the last couple of games. I'm not sure that's going to keep going, but the energy that he's brought and if LeBron can energize the starting group some in that sense and to use AD more, that is, of course, the way that the Lakers are going to start to not just beat up on the teams that are bad for the schedule of 10 games, but have a chance to become a, a better actual all around team. Let's go to break here because, Mike, that energizing the starting lineup is something I wanted to discuss a little bit further. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Mike, you sent me the injury report stuff last night because I've got um, a game preview going up at Lakers.com. And one of the three things that I'm discussing is the injury report, right? And and so Patrick Beverly is off the injury the injury report. He had missed back back to back games due to the illness that he caught that sort of went through the team a little bit that Mike mentioned about LeBron earlier. Um, LeBron is listed as probable, which is great. AD is listed as probable and Lonnie Walker is questionable. So there's a real prospect that the Lakers who played without three starters against the Jazz and two against the Cavaliers, that they'll be as healthy as they've been in theory, all season. And the Lakers have not been a good first quarter team. They have not been a good third quarter team. They've been okay, I guess, in the fourth quarter at times, but they have been a dominant second quarter team, which is something I also wrote in, in the dominance, probably a stretch, but they are the third, they have the third best net rating in second quarters in the entire NBA. And this is something that you brought up in the context of like, Hey, almost every game, there seems to be a second quarter run. Well, that that's played out in the data as well. And so part of that energy is through units that are led by Russ. And part of it is because they've been playing these small ball groups with, well, with, with LeBron, but there is an uptick in energy during that second, during that second quarter that I think is super noticeable and stands out in contrast to other parts during the game. So I just want to put, put it to you at this point. How do the Lakers try to look at the team on tape that they see in that stretch of the game and replicate that and, and channel that into other parts of the game, particularly at the start, because those runs that they're going on in second quarters are often to get themselves out of a hole and then take control of the game. But if they were mm-hmm. in better position 
after the first quarter, those leads might turn into 20 point like, oh, we're up 20, right? Which is a whole different feel. And that's also how you boost the spirit of your group and start to build in in game momentum that you can carry forward for game to game to game to get to the point where we're talking about an eight and two stretch over a 10 game period, right? I love that you focused on that idea of energy because I think that's super important for both groups and the discrepancy between the starters and just kind of the first quarter groups versus the the second quarter in particular and then again uh, raising its head in the third quarter. Part of it is not changeable. It's a function of the roster, right? Where you've got two star players and then three guys, whether you've got Pat Bev, who's a, who's been a starter for a while, but he's been really bad offensively so far this season. And then you're starting a vet men guy in Troy Brown and an MLE guy in Lonnie Walker, like just from a, from a talent standpoint, that's where we should be weakest, especially if Russ and $47 million is coming off of the bench. It just kind of stands to reason that the group across from us that has usually five of their top six or seven highest paid players, most of whom are making more than all of our role guys, like, yeah, they're going to have better players. So it's they're probably going to play better in those stretches. Whereas in the second quarter in which the bench groups, that's one of the strengths of our team is that we have some depth. Uh, we I thought that we did a good job for the most part on the vet min signings. And so that is the portion of the game where we look most like the team across from us in terms of the available talent that's on the floor. So part of it is something that like, you're not going to resolve that with uh, any, any magic trick or any, any coaching, right? That said, Mike, I think that idea of energy is something that if in needing LeBron and AD to be dominant and to carry us. And I, I like that you highlighted LeBron particularly there's a certain amount of the effort and screen setting and crashing the boards and running the floor. And it's these supplementary things that really help superstars. And I think really help a guy like LeBron James that focusing on, to, to me, the starting lineup in particular and, and those groups, having energy guys in them, I think would be wise. I've been really advocating for that energy big. I would love for it to be TB. I think right now, Wenyan is a, a better option if they want to go that route. Um, but that that's kind of where I'm at, Mike, is that with those groups, there's not much that you can do, but the we have a couple of kind of hardworking energy guys that I think can help catalyze that unit in ways that are superstars need yeah in the starting just with the clipper game zubats and i know that darius wrote about this um in his preview by the way check it out on lakers.com he's a problem because the way that he's able to occupy all of that space inside and if especially you know so davis is starting at the five and what does ad want to do right now what was he doing in order to score so efficiently and easily against utah it was mostly just iso and face up and either going right around marketing and even if marking mm-hmm. closed, no big deal. We can't really do that to Zubats because Zubats will just back off. He can still kind of contest a jump shot and he'll, he, AD's not going to be it. Well, I shouldn't say he can't. AD can get around Zubats, but Zubats can usually at least can close enough or bang enough to, to discourage it some. And, and so just for that one, I, I wonder, Darius, how the Lakers approach the offensive side of the court here. Um, Kawhi's not going to play. Pretty much everybody else should. And then you have the opposite problem. On the other end, where it's just Marcus Morris, and, and maybe this has to do with what Pete's saying about playing a little bit bigger, but where Morris and Paul George are just taking jumpers over the top of multiple different defenders all game, and they've been hitting those mm-hmm. shots. That's kind of what they do. It's, what it's they also do, yeah. part of yeah. It's part of why I think that the, the Clippers can't ultimately win a title. Like that's that's just not that sustainable for a playoff series to have guys that 
Kawhi and Paul George and Morris, their three primary scorers, all just like to take jump shots over the top. But in a regular season game with the Lakers personnel, that can be tricky, especially when they have the rim protected with Subot. So uh, I, I I didn't mean to just separate that game, Darius, but it, it is the it's like this 10 game stretch, but also one game at tonight. a time mindset. Yeah. Yeah. They play tonight against the Clippers. It's an important discussion because I think that if the Lakers are going to do anything over this 10 game stretch, it has to start somewhere and it has. And why not tonight? Right. And and so you can't be like, oh, like you never lose weight if you say, oh, well, we'll start our diet tomorrow. Right. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's so the Lakers should be looking at the Clippers and they should be looking at ways to exploit the advantages that they do have or play to their own strengths in order to disrupt what the Clippers do. One of the things in looking at the last game is that the Lake, there were 105 possessions in that game that the Lakers played against the Clippers in the second game of the season. That's a full possession and a half more than the lead league, than the league leading number for the season. And it's like, I don't know, four or four or five possessions more than what the Clippers typically play at. The Lakers forced 23 turnovers against the Clippers and had 13 steals. One of the important things to me when you look at the Clippers, and and this is one of the reasons why I think John Wall has been helpful to them, is that they are not a quick team. They are not a fast team. They are not a pace team. Kawhi Leonard, (laughs) obviously, he is a cyborg. He is the Terminator. He, you know, he plays at his own pace and no one's going to speed him up ever. And Paul George is at that phase of his career, too, where as a and I think this is true for Morris and it's true for Zubots. It's like these are guys who play at that slowed down pace. They want to use their physicality to to their advantages. I think that starting tonight, Pete, I think that the Lakers do need to enforce some of that speed on the Clippers and say, hey, you're going to be big and strong. Well, we're going to be fast and we're going to use the, the tools that we have at our disposal and. Look, the Lakers lost that last game by six against the Clippers. Now, AD hit two threes that night, and some, and there were some other stuff that you could point to and say, hey, well, that hasn't been happening. You know what else hasn't been happening of late? Russell Westbrook going 0 for 11, which is what happened that game against the Clippers, and he took six threes that night. And so there is, there is a push and pull of the season, and... Just like Mike said that Portland has looked a certain way or this other team has looked a certain way while the Lakers have have been playing them well, the Lakers have looked a different way than the team that played in the first part of the season as, as well. And so I'm interested in trying to take as many of the good things that the Lakers have seen the last few few days and then grabbing some of those other good things that were more present during the first part of yep. the season because that's how they're going to have to play against the Clippers tonight, but also in this upcoming stretch stretch of games in general. Honestly, that's one of my biggest worries with the team right now is that like asking them to defend in particular the way they did in that second game of the season, that's something that goes away as you lose games, right? That's what we talk about oftentimes is you can, if if what you're doing isn't working, you can lose some degree of buy-in, even just subconsciously. So the team that gave up 139 points the other night and gave up a huge, you know, some huge production to Cleveland and then again to Utah the day before, they're we're defending differently over the last week than we were at the beginning of the season. And so that is something that, yeah, sure, if we bring that requisite effort and energy, that's also part of the reason why I don't love 
starting and playing small is because you have to play harder when you're smaller because you have to scramble. You got to front the post. Russ had some great possessions against Kawhi and obviously Kawhi has been out. Right. Uh, and so like that, that whole thing is, that is difficult, right? That is difficult to navigate, uh, when you start losing your spirit, you know? And so that is something, Mike, that I'm curious, I'm curious to see if we can apply that. Cause I think Darius is exactly right. That the speed and athleticism and just kind of a level of umph is something that we have as an advantage over the Clippers, but you have to leverage that with a certain le- effort level that I've seen Wayne defensively in particular. Well, the Clippers also have not played well uh, this season. They're six and no. five. They just pulled out a win against Cleveland in which they trailed by double digits with about four minutes left. They had a 17 to one run, which rarely happens. But what you know is that they'll play with their, whatever their full capability is right now, that's what they'll play with against the Lakers. And it's a mix of because obviously, because they're the Lakers and the Clippers are in this town and they know that people in this town, the majority clearly cares a lot more about the Lakers and Ty Lue is there and that whole thing. And so like they're going to get they're going to play better than whatever they played so far. I was trying to think of the thing that disrupted the Clippers and Patrick Beverly and his defense on Paul George, I thought was pretty effective. But Beverly mm-hmm. has also been out of rhythm. He hasn't played that much uh, if he. You guys, I thought, did a really nice job on yesterday's pod of talking about some of the like the playmaking and when Beverly's not in there. And, and if Austin Reeves is, it gives the Lakers a different look. But, you know, maybe this is the type of game that they do need to have Beverly back and just doing those things to counter some of whatever mm-hmm. the, you know, the the willpower that the Clippers are going to have and get a little bit of that nastiness like with the, you know, the Clipper crowd and like that edge, I think, is is something that we talked about before the season starting from Beverly as being necessary. And that was though, that was Pete. I'm kind of trying to balance that with how much he struggled offensively. But right sure. now for this game, I do think that they need that level from Beverly and hopefully he can carry that to hitting a couple threes and, you know, and lifting him in that way. Yeah. That's something D that like, we got to get our defense back on track. If we have these designs on a six to eight win stretch over 10 games, which is ambitious for sure, relative to how we started, like we got to get it back on the defensive end. And for all of our, you know, uh, all of our talking about Bev not being able to hit threes and not, you know, not being able to create shots at this point. Like he certainly helps. I thought he was missed over the last couple of games. He's an important defender. I will say too, that's just like for all the talk about like um, spirit and where spirit goes, I can tell you what saps spirit. It's when pull up shooters go freaking crazy on you. <laughs> yeah. So who have been right. pulling up from 30? Yeah. Well, no. So who have been the Lakers last three opponents, right? They played the Jazz twice, who, look, Clarkson, Beasley, Conley, Markinen, right? All of those guys just splashing pull-up jumpers. Even THT in the second game, like, oh, hitting this step back. I don't care. Sandwiched between the Jazz games, it was Cleveland. It's like, oh, there's Donovan Mitchell. There's Darius Garland. Right. And this level of like, okay, well, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing defensively. And sometimes we're there and sometimes we're not. But honestly, whether we're there or not, these guys are just doing the damn thing. 
That's also like a built-in weakness of our defense too, meaning that those are the shots that it's designed to kind of give up. And so there, but there are going to be some nights and some teams and some players that are like, thank you very much. That's, I'm going to hit a couple of easy ones and now I'm hot. And now even the ones that you can test, I'm drilling because I'm pulling up from 28 feet, but I'm in a, in a rhythm. 100%. And so the Clippers offer a similar challenge, right? We just talked about them being a shoot over the top team, but one of the things that the Lakers can do is that when you're bigger, you're not often the quicker team. And one of the things that the Jazz, I thought, were particularly good, that is like their shooters are guards. And, and, and this was true of Cleveland, too. Like those guys were getting to spots. They were coming mm. off of screens with quickness and coming off of them tight. And it was just like there was no time to get that good back contest against a jazz like against Jordan Clarkson that dude was just like Psh, I'm off this screen I am raising up and and I'm firing and so maybe this is me reaching a little bit but I'm also trying to figure out how within possessions there are there's all of these micro transactions that happen within a possession that add up to something else right and mm-hmm. what I'm and again maybe this is a reach but what I'm hopeful is 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 that a Marcus Morris coming off a pin down is not the same as a Malik Beasley or a Jordan Clarkson coming off of a pin down. That Patrick Beverly being back in the lineup might be able to get a, a better back contest against one of those slower players coming off of a pin down than maybe mm-hmm. Kendrick Nunn was coming off of a screen trying trying to defend a Clarkson or a Mike Conley in in the same way and or a Donovan Mitchell or a Darius Garland, mm-hmm. right? And that these are the small things that these things matter, but we don't often analyze them as mattering so yeah. much because we play the results versus playing the process. And there's a bunch of small things that I think add up to process that the Lakers have not been as good at lately. And it needs to start there, I think. But the commitment to getting back to those things versus opponents that could maybe play back into those a little bit more can also leverage things and turn things in there in the Lakers direction a bit more than the team that we've seen give up bushel full of points against some pretty good offensive players the last few games. So another layer to this game, Darius, you started by saying how the injury report looks like it's going to be favorable for well, I want to say the first time because, of course, Schroeder and Bryant are still out. But who's going to be left out now of the rotation? Mm-hmm. Is Kendrick Nunn getting a rhythm and getting a little bit hot in Utah? Does that does that give Darvin Ham, you know, the aptitude to put him in over, say, a Matt Ryan and just be a little bit smaller? Does Gabriel play more, um, even though now that LeBron's coming back, that kind of puts him back into some of those lineups next to AD. And does that, I know that that's, that's been part of what Pete's been asking for is to be a little bit bigger. So I just wonder, what do you think this, and, and I'm assuming that Walker is going to play now he's questionable and he very well could not, but typically if it's an illness, if you see an upgrade, you know, it's just, that's ten, trending the right way. And then they get to the arena in most guys, if it's, if it's an illness type thing, it'd be like, no, I'm good. I'm good. They're just, so I don't quote me on that. I'll update that once I get to the arena tonight. But assuming that Walker does play and then he goes back into the starting lineup, you know, uh, so where are you guys at with that? As uh, as Pete, I'm sure you've already spent a little bit of time looking into this. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we'll probably see the starters that we've seen the Bev 
Lonnie, Troy Brown, LeBron AD group. And then off the bench, I think there's we probably have slightly different groupings than we did against the Clippers. I think none probably goes back out of the rotation just from a numbers standpoint. And also those bench groups with Russ have found a little bit of rhythm. And I think that having, you know, trios and quartets and even five man groups just that have that show that that blink, that instantaneous sort of chemistry. That's exactly what we need to be riding as much as possible, you know, and and obviously they'll have off nights and some nights better than others and you adjust accordingly. But I think that at this point, when we find little things that work, like stick with that, don't, you know, upset that too much. I'm, I think I would love ultimately for Beverly to be the guy who goes to the bench, to the bench for the bigger guy and to be like a Lonnie Troy Brown uh, starting backcourt or when Dennis comes back, if we need that lead guard, that may be something that we need as well. But that's that's down the line. So that's where I'm at, D, as I think that we probably go back to that group that we started with and then try to keep those same same bench groups. And I think, you know, Ryan will get some time. JTA is available. I'm not sure he'll be in the rotation. Uh, but I, I think Mike's question about like, hey, we got some guys back and we don't there aren't as many easy decisions for Darvin uh, because a guy's out. Right. Like, So I'm curious to see where he goes with that. Yeah, and I agree. I think that Beverly is going to start, and I actually think his defense is is needed um, against the Clippers. One of the <laughs> things long-term, and I have my own ideas about the rotation, um, but one of the things I'd like to see long, long-term is this re-evaluation and re-abandonation of what players' best roles are and how they can fulfill them on a team that you <laughs> hope can actually win a playoff series, right? Mm-hmm. And this is a longer term discussion, but I'll plant these seeds now with, well, with you two for, to marinate and germinate a little bit, and, and then we could discuss them later. But in the big picture, I probably see Lonnie Walker as a backup player. And mm-hmm. I probably see Dennis Schroeder as a starting level player for this specific team, especially in a lineup that has LeBron James and and Anthony Davis, but does not include Russell Westbrook because he's clearly Mm -hmm. showing that he can lead a bench group. Um, I like Troy Brown as a starter. I think that he is a connecting type type of player. And then that leaves one extra spot, right? And I'm not sure if it should go to Beverly I'm not sure if it should go to Austin Reeves and, or I'm not sure that it should go to a bigger player like a Thomas Bryant, potentially. Right. And so but there's to me cases to be made about what the best version of the Lakers is, how they leverage what their strengths are and what their strengths actually are when they do have a complete roster. I have a post up at Silver Screen and Roll today advocating for how Dennis Schroeder and Thomas Bryant are going to help this team. They're not going to solve all their problems. They're not going to fix them. They're not going to propel them into championship contender status, but they are quality NBA rotation players who actually fill needs with their specific skill sets that this team has been missing. And I'm arguing that when they are healthy, that they do take on roles within the team and how those roles dis- potentially displace other players and what it means to, to the rotation. I think that those are questions for Darvin Ham that he will have, have to answer eventually because the team that he said that he wanted to be completely whole coming out of the preseason, that team has not materialized since since that time. Two days later, TV and Dennis, they had thumb sur- sur- surgeries and Troy Brown was out. And since then, AD's back has flared up and LeBron got, got a virus and so did 
So And so did Patrick Beverly, and so did Lonnie Walker, and it's been a lot of shuffling back and forth. And so in the next week or two, though, this team should be as healthy as they've been. And I'm interested to see how that can potentially propel them towards this stretch that we've been talking about with this podcast. Yeah, that's something that that whole who doesn't play now that these guys are back. I think that question becomes even more intriguing once once TB and Dennis come back. Uh, So first one tonight uh, against the Clippers. We will be back tomorrow to discuss it. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Bat next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. Back with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Listen. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. With a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.